Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Comeback Podcast with me, Mark Jennison. And today, I've got the host, uh, I believe the owner of Auto Dealer Live, Auto Dealer Live, sorry, David Villa. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Mark, man. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. It's a little, it's 20 degrees up here, but uh, winter's coming. And it's all, I can tell you what I don't miss in the car business is out there shoveling snow, man. Did you ever have to do that? I, I did not have to shove. I mean, I'm a Florida boy, man. It's it's like 80 degrees right now. Um, so I wish I had a little bit of your cold, not quite 20 degrees. Yeah. And I wish it was a little cooler for Christmas. Yeah, I got up this morning and I'm like, man, I, I got to get up. I got to go outside. It was like eight degrees at five in the morning. And I'm like, so, but yeah, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And a while back, you actually had me on the show. Um, so just, I, I want to jump right into it, man. I don't know much about your story, your past, how you got here. I know I look up to you and inspire to eventually have a show like yourself. And I just want to give you the floor and let's talk a little bit about maybe you sold cars at one time or, or what was your past like? No, you know, um, I did not actually 21 years. I'm 44. Okay. And uh, so I started at 22 years old selling GMs. Um, my dad was in the car business and owned a, an ad agency as well. Okay. And so I started out working for him, uh, getting my teeth uh, kicked down my throat by 50 year old GMs when I was 22 years old sitting across their office, man. Right. <laughs> so. Um, I never sold cars, but I, 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 I sold GMs from a very early age, right, at, right, after, right after quitting school. I didn't okay. even graduate from college, just quit awesome. and uh, went right to work. So what the the purpose of the show, I actually want to talk a little bit, uh, we'll talk about your past and things like that, but what is the purpose of all of your lives? Is that more to dealerships? Is it end you? I mean, I watch it every chance I get, but I see a touch of wide variation of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, Auto Dealer Live, we started it, um, you know, most people didn't watch it back back then. We started it February 2012. Okay. Um, obviously, equipment and everything we used was, was you know, far different. The reach was nothing. And I had one GM and uh, owner, a friend of mine that I worked with for seven years that committed to me um, back then to be on the show every week for an entire year. He was on our show every week uh, for the, the whole first year. And... Um, but man, it, it honestly, it started, Mark, is as it started initially as a marketing tool to say, how can I reach dealers? To be very honest with you. Okay. But quickly, um, it, it worked for that, but it quickly turned into, man, um, a passion, something that, you know, dealers gravitated towards and uh, really looked at now as a way to help the industry, just to talk to people and put content out there, man. Um, very passionate about this industry. I love it. Um, you know, it's afforded you and I both and, and many people we know a great living and life. And uh, so that's what it started and uh, four years ago. But today, obviously, we're blessed to um, to have a great audience. And just it's it's um, you know, it's it's far different today. Right. But initially, man, uh, it started um, as a marketing tool by my then marketing manager came up with the idea and said, you know what? We need to do this to reach dealers um, and to, to, to talk to dealers. Okay. And so that's how we started. And it's so 2012, and now we're in two, going in 2017. So you've been at it for about five years, just pushing, huh? February, every single week for February will be five years. And um, some of the episodes are so old. I mean, we have them here on video, but they weren't, we used to use Ustream and, you know, and it's different avenues that are not even really around, I don't think anymore. Um, so they're not, you know, I think we go back three years, um, you know, on our website. But yeah, we have five years where the show is coming this February, wow. where um, the first show I did, my, uh, we, we, I literally, um, had announced it to our entire database of dealers and hopefully some of them were listening in different ways and the equipment broke down right in the middle of the show. I mean, it was, man, it was like, 
I was having a, I was having a fit, man, because you know I had egg on my face. But yeah, we've come a long way, brother. So it's it's a weekly show because you do something almost every day, don't you? I mean, I see some sort of content coming for you every single day. So there's more than just the show, or am I confused with that? Yeah, no, no, yeah, the show is something. I'm the I'm the CEO of a company called IPD, okay. um, which Auto Deal Live is a part of. Uh, we're a marketing company. We we market. We work with about 500 dealers every month, um, and we help dealerships all over the country sell cars. Um, and, uh, we, you know, and so, and then I have a leadership, um, training, um, that I do primarily for non-automotive. It's really a non-automotive Avenue. Uh, so that's something we do under IPD as well. And, um, so the, so what you're seeing on a daily basis is just putting out content for, um, for the automotive community and really a lot of non-automotive as well. And the show is something that we do once a week, um, on Thursdays, um, just to, you know, to, uh, you know, guest and interview and get specific on, on uh, you know one particular one hour you know event. It's really a great like retainment tool, right? I mean, I know it's got me hooked. I get it on, I get your notifications, and I keep watching. So it's pretty awesome. I like I like the style, I like the way you do it. It looks like to me like a uh, really professional. So head, heads off to you. Um, so what's your past, man? Like you know, I don't know if you know much about me or if you've seen much about me, but um, I kind of have a rough past. I like to give the guys an opportunity. Is there any anything that made you get like what? What got you here? Because you're obviously an entrepreneur, you're a salesman, you're marketing, you got all these different things, different facets of your life. How'd you get here? Great question. Um, well, yeah, for, first of all, I mean, so, you know, I, uh, one thing to kind of get out and, and everybody that follows me knows this, and, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. So number one, that's what ultimately defines me, my family. Um, but um, so I, I, I mean, I really sincerely, I'm not just saying this, I sincerely feel like that's what has allowed me the, 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 the ability to be blessed and to make it. Um, and I mean, I jacked my life up, man. You know, um, you know, I mean, without going way back, I mean, just, just, you know, everything that could have happened and, 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 and you know, to cost somebody to fail, um, did, you know, come from an early divorced family, you know, my, my stepfather and mom, we were broke, busted, disgusted, um, you know, voted probably most likely to not succeed. Um, you know, uh, in, in high school, dropped out of college. Um, my wife and I got married when she was 17. We married 20, 20, almost 24 years. And, um, she was 17 years old, pregnant, um, got married. Um, everything that you would teach your kids not to do. I mean, I did, right. um, came from passive drugs and, and just, just partying and things of that nature. Um, and, uh, just jacked up, um, got into business. I was talented. That was it. You know, I didn't have anything else other than talent and potential. Um, and I don't know, I often say that talent and potential don't matter. You know, I, I, I fired a lot of people, um, that have had talent and potential. I've seen people give up. So that's not really, I think what, uh, separated me, what separated me is failure. Just really honestly, man, um, you know, just failing over and over and then refusing to quit maybe stubbornness, but getting back up, man, and getting back in the game. And, um, I think that, I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of in, in the short of it. That's really my story. I mean, I, I, I can relate to people who, who, who fail. I can relate to people who aren't supposed to make it. And, um, you know, here I am by the grace of God, man. And so, um, I, you know, that's, that's my story in a nutshell, but there's right. a lot more to it. I'm sure there is. Let me ask you this real quick. Cause I, um, there was a pivotal point in my life where things turned around and God is actually what got me to where I'm at and why I'm here right now doing the things I'm doing. So have you always been a believer? I mean, or is it, what, what's your story yeah. with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, um, my, uh, my mom's family are, they're ministers. A lot of, a lot of pastors go back several generations and, 
Um, and so my grandfather and, and, and a lot of my uncles and things like that. So um, I'm actually in ministry as well. I, I minister and preach and do some things um, as well in my personal life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I was raised in church, um, you know, and uh, but but I got away. I, you know, I just went out and just went crazy around high school and college and just right. just basically got into a lot of things I shouldn't have and uh, took my life down a different path. Um, you know, one that, you know, uh, was was very destructive. Um, and, uh, but, but quit, you know, but in my early twenties got back, um, in, into, uh, you know, into a relationship with God and, uh, got married, started having a family, but, you know, um, I was immature, you know, um, just, uh, you know, I didn't, I just had all these ideas and I didn't have a lot of, uh, a lot of commitment necessarily. So I went through a series of just, just continuing to jack my, my life up, you know, I, and it's really interesting, man. I think it, I think that, uh, you know, thank God for his grace, man, because, uh, you know, I think that there's many times where I could have just failed and just it could have been the end, you know, right. but uh, just continuing to go forward, having maybe a short memory in some ways, you know, looking at the failures as stepping stones, um, connecting with the right people, trying to get, you know, better every day and mature. And um, but yeah, so so I have a background um, of that. But I, I, I agree. I think that um, I think that's, I mean, obviously that's a big part. And I've, I've seen your story as well. And what you put out there, and I knew that was uh, your background. Yeah, I, my, I had a rough background, background for sure, but that's awesome. So let's talk about the state of the car business right now, and your thoughts on it. I know that's kind of your thing. So, wh- what do you, where do you think it's going right now with the internet, with all the, di- you know, give me your spin on where we're at right now. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and you know, where where can I start? But so there's a lot of things, but I'll focus on one. I think that <clears throat> one that I think sums up um, sums up the. Uh, the whole the whole industry with regards to I think success or failure with people because I think that um, I think technology is evolving obviously and that's right. not going to stop anywhere but I, I I'm I'm really I really focus a lot on the on the person on the personal aspect and and you probably relate to this as a trainer um, a lot I think that um, the technology is going to come it's going to go it's going to make things easier it's going to make things um, and it's going to make things more accessible I think that no matter where these so-called experts say the industry is going. You know, whether it's going to be, are we going to buy cars online? Are we going to eliminate this department? Are we going to go this route? Whatever. You know, I think there's narratives that are attached to money and products that are always behind that. However, um, I think if you are a person that will hustle and will work and will put the effort in, I think that you're going to rise to the top. And because I think that what the technology is causing a lot of people to do is is to become, um, just become softer. And I, was, I saw some article or something that was put out. It's been put out a lot of different different articles and different views of this about how like um sales traditional sales is over or like cold calling is is dead or you know um social media or social selling is where it's at and i get all of that but a lot of times if you look at the backgrounds of these individuals it's because they couldn't make it at the top upper echelon and so i look at it as there's going to be an elite class of individuals that are able to rise to the top and utilize the technology utilize all the components that are coming down the pike in the car business to still be in the top one and two percent of sales right so i, I so I, my, my focus is more on the person and if you want to be that person that's going to own it it's going to dominate that market i think that i think that you know regardless of the technology and the changes that are coming just commit to being better commit right. to being better where everyone else is just getting by that makes sense yeah absolutely what that was actually my next question so what does it take to succeed in your eyes as a car salesman, as a GM, as an owner, as a dealership. I mean, 
I believe technology is coming. I think robots are going to come. I mean, I just saw an Amazon store, you know, maybe not robots, but you know what I'm saying. It's going to get a little bit different, right? So, but you still need people interaction. You still need to use the phone. You still need to do all that stuff. So what does it take to succeed right now in today's state though? Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, I think it comes down to, yeah, you're right. These, these are coming and, and, but we're in a people business. And that's the crazy part about it. I tell like my guys, we, we sell dealerships and <clears throat> sometimes we diminish as salespeople, you know, if we're in the auto industry, let's use that as the example that we're right. talking about, now. you know, anywhere around the auto business, whether you sell dealerships or you're in a dealership, you look at it sometimes as like a redheaded stepchild. Like, you know, you just sometimes buy into the stigma of, you know, this is a car business because society views it this way. And I tell my guys sometimes who are making a tremendous amount of money. First of all, I say, guys, you know, walk outside, do a 360, man, turn around and find somebody in this business park we're in that doesn't drive. You're in an industry where, I mean, it's like the cars look good. You know, that people drive. And I said, so, so take pride in that industry. So I think that, um, you know, I think it comes down to we're in a people business and the people that the car industry sells, you know, aren't people like you and I. They're not salesmen all. They're not M's. They're not car people. They're people. And I think that if we can learn that, that, that people, whether you get them through this form of technology or whether they, you know, whether, whether 85% come in through the internet originally and that's how they are versus driving onto the lot these days right. first. So what? It's like the person that, you know, I'm leaving out of this podcast. I'm going to go into our training room here and I'm training our in-house 24-seat uh, BDC in uh, internet department. I'm doing that once a week now. And I'm going to tell these guys that, by the way, none of them have ever been in the car business. Their appointment percentage is through the roof. Um, like 75% appointment percentage and 61% of those appointments have full credit apps for our dealers. So they're really oh. good. But I'm going to teach these guys, further teach them that, listen, you know, you're talking to not, you know, not robots. You're talking to people. If you can get inside their heart, you can break down their walls. And who cares how they, who care how, cares how they came to you? You know, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, they've got to see you to buy that car. Right. You know, I th- think that it's... Just, just real quick on an emotional decision. I don't know how you feel about this. I know that e-commerce and, and, and that ability is coming more out of convenience, but it's such an expensive purchase. You know, um, I don't really see um, that transaction going away from an uh, going away from a brick and mortar uh, dealership because it's too expensive for somebody to not lay their eyes on before they buy. It's it's right. a big decision. So <clears throat> I think there's always going to be the need for people, and um, and you're gonna that's going to separate you from the dealership next door. That, that's awesome. That's a great. I feel the same way. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the business because I have some entrepreneurs and guys that follow me. Has it been rough at points? I mean, the struggle to get where you're at because I obviously see you're growing and growing over the past few years that I've been watching you. So can you re- talk about something like that, some of the things you got to go through to succeed in business? Sure. Yes, <laughs> it's been rough. Um, you know, and uh, but the biggest the biggest mistakes I've, I think I've made, um, you know, growing through that whole series of, of, of failures is uh, is a mistake. People again, going back to people. My mistakes were my vision was always big. I always woke up early in the morning and stayed up late at night thinking about, dreaming about where I could be, you know, the the, the business, how it could look. And every time I, and I don't know about you, but and I think every entrepreneur watching, the business owner, everybody that's ever done that, if if it's if it's worth it, salt, always had people around them. Meaning it was always big. It was always it was always centered around people. And I think sometimes maybe the faces were blurry and I think that's the problem. So I think we need to focus in on the faces around us because if your vision is big and your, your idea is big, it's going to take people. And if it's going to take people, then guess what they care about? They care about themselves. 
and so I think that if you know my my philosophy shifted over the years of failing to um, you know I've had a mass exodus for instance in 2008 we were <clears throat> we until that time in 2007 was our biggest year up until 2013 2007 huge year we killed it um, and and I thought man this is we were you know, we're doing like 10 million dollars a year at that particular point we're getting ready to go into you know 15 to 20 million we're going to grow had a mass exodus where between April and in the end of May of 2008 I had eight ballers just I mean just great salespeople all revenue generators leave um, and for whatever reason and, and, and that's beside the point but they left right. <laughs> and um, it, it threw our company into to to a to a place where we had 55 employees we went down about a year later we took we, we wrote it out for a year I mean I literally sold the amount the next month all of our reeled in all the customers and sold the amount of like five people and had a couple of people with me that were seasoned but we went from 55 employees about nine later, we went down to about 30. We had to lay people off. And it was also the time where the economy was taking a you know, right. crash and then, um, you know, the cash for clunkers and all this stuff. And the auto business was a really kind of a rough spot, but we remained debt free, wrote it. But I realized a lesson over that course of time that I had the wrong people. I had people that would step on each other. You know, we're in sales. You and I have seen this. People that would step on each other to get to where they wanted to get. Right. They wouldn't reach down and help someone up. They'd reach down and kick them on the top of the head to push them back down. Um, went through a big lesson, realized, you know, and God helped me with that. I mean, really, honestly, I didn't feel a release to build a sales team again until 2010. I had a couple of people, and the rest was were back end. We stayed at 30 people. And then I began to build it again. I built it with the right people. And um, so I, I would talk to the entrepreneurs that are out there that it's about your people. And I had generally can say that I have people that are making more money today than those guys and gals ever did. But they will reach up and help someone else. They'll be the first person that have put themselves aside to help someone else. So they get just excited about someone else succeeding as they are themselves. I think that's when you know that you got something special. And then when that culture spreads, it's 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 contagious. That's awesome. So one of the biggest changes you had to do then was, I mean, it might have been a blessing in disguise to lose that kind of people, right? Yes, yeah. it was. It was definitely in disguise. <laughs> it was it was a blessing, but I didn't know it. It was it was hiding. It was incognito, man. It looked like a curse, it, you know, because it was, it, it, you know, it's, it's a uh, man. I mean, you know, you, you just start to, you start to look at it and you start to look at what's crumbling in some ways. And in reality, it wasn't, it was actually strategically coming apart in areas that were healthy for the organization. It was, you know, it was, it was interesting because I've done a lot of leadership training on this type of stuff, but it was, it was going up like this. And I've studied skyscrapers since then okay. because um, it was going up, but a skyscraper, goes thousands of feet into the air, but it also goes hundreds of feet into the ground um, for a foundation. Our foundation, if you could see it, was, was very shallow. And so we were, we were, we looked like we were going somewhere, but we weren't. And um, so when God began to get a hold of me and I began to do it right, my wife was a, you know, didn't feel good, but she was a, a resounding voice that also was in my ear saying, you know, these are some of the reasons why we built that foundation first and then watched it grow. And it's a whole lot more peaceful today and it just feels better you know um and we've been doing that for the last few years now i don't put ads out a lot i do put things on social media about hiring people but primarily we bring people in through the people that work here or people that are connected and it's very interesting how that dynamic goes i'm actually i'm in a spot right now where i'm looking i got one guy helping me and i'm just building i'm definitely down at the floor right now so let's talk about that foundation for a second how did you decide or how did you make the moves? I mean, how, when, as I'm laying out, like talking to me right now, as I build this foundation, any tips of advice and for any other entrepreneurs out there, what can we do to make sure it's solid so I don't crumble? 
Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, great question. I think, um, you know, going back to our really beginning to build the foundation, right. Um, I had, I had a lot of support around me. Some of the biggest mistakes that, uh, and people that I made were some of the, um, and I still would have a tendency to make if I didn't have solid people around me now would be to find people like me in a personality stance. And, um, and so one of the challenges that I had were finding people and I, and I got delved into a lot of books There's a book uh, called the five temptations of a CEO. Um, it's Patrick Lecheon. It's an awesome book. It's like, a, it's, it's phenomenal. And I mean, I'm, I'm a reader, but I'm a reader at like chapter by chapter. Like I have, you know, ADD, so it kicks in. This is one book that I literally didn't put down until I was finished. And, and so to me, it's my favorite book. I read it a few years ago, like 2009 or 10. And uh, some of those foundations, I think, um, are looking outside of the scope of, of who we are, surrounding ourselves with people um, that uh, in the beginning that are possibly not like us that are going to fill some of those gaps. So I had to really find some, some individuals um, that were not like me. And um, that were strength in had areas of strength where I was weak, and um, because again it was a tendency for me to, to for me to, to tip the scale um, by finding people that I could relate to, and I, that's what got me in trouble. It, um, so I think that's probably one of the one of the, the the first things, and that's hard to do because we tend to, I do at least tend to go towards how can I generate revenue, and I need to bring someone in first that's going to help generate revenue, and uh, it's not that that's got that's got to be far behind. Um, but it just, there's a couple of power player type individuals. Right. Um, you know, I think a visionary is, is there's three people I think on my leadership team that I have to have as a visionary. Then there's like a, a nurturer, like a person who is, you know, that tender hearted person. And there's that person that's the, the activator, the person that moves, that, that gets things done. Because a lot of times, you know, um, the most talented individuals aren't the ones who do a lot. They talk a lot and they do a little and they just do it well. Um, so that person is going to, it's going to take action. So those are some of the people that I had to put on my team so that when I said it, I'm the visionary and I kind of took that role. But, um, then I had the person that was kind of the nurturer. Then I had that person that would take that vision and run with it and begin to do it, which is biblical. You know, it says, write a vision down, make it plain so that those who see it will pick it up and run with it. You know, so I kind of built it based on that. And, uh, and then they become cheerleaders, they become culture ambassadors, they become people who like talk the talk in the organization and other people kind of becomes, becomes contagious. That's awesome. I, I wrote down, I made some notes right there, so I appreciate that. Um, what's the culture like down there for you? What, what's your people like? How many, how many employees you got now? What's, the, what's it like down there? We have like, I think 47 employees. Um, culture is amazing. Uh, you know, you, we, we, you're walking our organization. We've got um, 8,500 square feet here. Uh, we've got speakers um, throughout the ceiling of the organization. It's kind of like walking into, um, from a, from a standpoint, walking into like a, a, a store in the mall where you know there's music playing, um, and uh, we've got just an atmosphere. You know, you walk right in. There's our receptionist, our marketing teams in one office, our GM, but then our sales team. We have them kind of right up front in in the in because we want people to catch that energy right when they walk in, and they do. So we'll hear FedEx men, UPS guys. We have FedEx men, literally FedEx and UPS guys. We hand out, you know, bracelets for monthly theme or quarterly themes, you know, like maybe inspire or, you know, motivate. Just little words that we use. And we print up those bracelets and put posters on the wall. And we have UPS and FedEx men that walk in to my receptionist every month and ask for the bracelet. We put a scripture on it. That's something we do. That's a theme for it. But they ask for the bracelet because they walk in and they see this atmosphere. Um, and they ask now, hey, what's your theme of the month? Hey, when's your new bracelet coming out? What, what are you guys going to do? Um, and uh, so we always get compliments on that. Um, and then, you know, the culture is uh, phenomenal. We, you know, we, we, we expanded our offices. So we separated some of the, 
department. So that was going to be a challenge of like trying to keep that culture as we expand. Um, and uh, but what we've done is through our leadership team, you know, they're they'll, they're spread out throughout the organization and um, in different offices. So they're charged with the uh, task of keeping that culture, you know, and finding people that are, we call them culture ambassadors within each organization, somebody that's going to be that cheerleader, that person that's going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to not because they have to, because they want to, they're going to, they're going to preach that culture, live that culture, and it's going to rub off. I'm going to have to come down and check it out. Oh man, we'd love to have you. I'd like to know, tell me in advance and we'll have you come in and we'll bring you in for a day to do some training with our guys and, and, uh, I'd love to have you. Oh, that'd be cool. Awesome. So next, we're coming up on the new year, a couple 20 days away or so, or, I don't know, 20, 25 days. What's on the next, what's 2017 looking like? What's the plans? I mean, what, what do you got going on? Anything awesome? Um, yeah, well, we, uh, yes, sir. We, we have, um, we, we do a, uh, we're, we're launch, we just launched full-fledged our uh, leadership and uh, sales um, training. Um, platform online we, we're doing that again there's a lot of non-automotive stuff we're doing just simply because of the connections through ministry and businesses and, and that we have here um, so there's there's a whole avenue of that so we push that out 2017 is going to be big I'm actually adding uh, four or five salespeople uh, we have two empty spaces that we're building those salespeople in we just hired a couple of new um, sales uh, managers in our um, mailology program um, our call center is expanding oh, <clears throat> the radio show is doing awesome just started our Game Changer sales cast. I think we're on episode 13, um, which is, again, mostly non-automotive. It's on Mondays. Um, and uh, I just uh, releasing two books. Um, one book is actually finished now. It's getting ready to be put on Amazon um, this week, probably today or tomorrow. It's just a, uh, a series of books I'm doing. They're small books. They're called bite-sized books. Okay. And I'm going to do um, – I've gotten one done, and I've got the other four in the hopper. And it's a book on branding, how to make your brand stand. Um, that's coming out. And then I'm writing a sales book as we speak. I'm four chapters into the 10 and it's called sales pros get paid. Amateurs don't. And it's really my story of when I decided to cross over from amateur to professional. I think it's something that's just different than sales books out there because until I made a decision, I never, I, I was never successful even in sales. And, uh, lastly, uh, but certainly not least, um, just focusing myself. I've got some management people in place, just doing a little more strategic, um, speaking and things, you know, across the nation. Um, again, and just some strategic uh, company meetings with some people that we're affiliated with. So uh, that's what 2017 is going to bring. Um, and I'm excited about it. Man. It's going to be a big year. It sounds like the whole like the whole culture is it's you, and then it, it filters into your company. That I really like the way that, that that you know. And you got God first, I, I imagine, right? Yes, sir. Oh yeah. Um, we, it's funny because uh, one thing, real quick thing about that, and we didn't plan it this way, um, and we don't go out and recruit them, you know. But it's interesting out of our sales team. I think 10 guys we have in there that are actually on the floor selling, 60, 70% of them are ministers. I'm talking like youth pastors and, and evangelists, and, and one guy's a pastor of a church, um, and uh, they're, they're bivocational. They're in our sales room selling over the phone. Um, so it's really crazy. It's interesting, dynamic. Um, again, we didn't plan it that way. It's just it's just uh, how it's kind of uh, happened. You mean, <laughs> so, you mean it was God working? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. All right, so I like to keep this about thirty minutes. We got about two minutes left. Where can the guys find you, and okay. some, get some positive? Uh, I like to leave on a positive note, something that's going to inspire some people. Sure, man. Sure. Well, the, the information behind me, um, David Villa. If you Google David Villa, you won't find me probably because there's a soccer player that's famous, and <laughs> unfortunately, um, he has spent millions of dollars probably uh, with his name out there. But um, 
you can uh, my website davidvilla.me there's my twitter handle i'm very active on twitter i handle all all my own twitter um and, and if you go to davidvilla.me you'll find the link to um ipd which is our our company uh, ipdmail.com and um of course uh, auto deal alive and uh i'd say as far as positive i'd say keep going you know um if you think of, you know, Mark, you've probably done this before, but I do it often because I want to center myself back. If I think of three people, I mean, putting aside like, you know, Christ, you know, somebody, obviously that's my, 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 my motivation. But if I take three people that have been mentors to me in business, leadership, you know, whatever in my life, if I think about them, the, all of them had one thing in common. If they're successful today, two things in common. Number one, they're successful today. Okay. And whatever that success is defined to you, you know, um, but the other thing they had in common is I guarantee you every one of them thought about quitting. And the one thing they all didn't do was quit, you know, um, stop, you know, ultimately they failed a lot, but they never quit. And I think that that's the one thing I can leave with somebody. Just keep going. You will automatically guarantee to succeed if you don't quit. Somebody, a pastor friend of mine said this not too long ago. He said, you know what, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a bad week. Guess what? You've had you've had hundreds of them in your life, dozens of them in your life. And not one time have they ever taken you out. In other words, we're still alive today. So every bad day, every bad season you've had never won. It never beat you because here you are today still standing. That resonated with me that we're going to be 10 years from now, we're going to say the same thing. So don't quit. I love it, man. All right, David, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I'm going to be in touch with you here in the next few weeks because I am coming down to Florida. So, uh, sir. We'll, uh, hey, we'll, seriously, let me know. We'll get you down here. I, I'll bring you in and, and I'll hire you to come in and speak to my guys. I love what you do. And, and we, we got a room here and uh, we'd love to have you come in. Awesome. And I, I appreciate it. I'm taking my son down to Florida for vacation. So I'm going to hit you up on that. All right. All right, man. Have a great Thanks, day. Mark. Thank you.